Thinking aloud. Conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with psychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. Today, we're going to be exploring medical intuition. My guest is my old friend, Dr. Norman Sheely, who is president of the Sheely Soren Wellness Center in Springfield, Missouri. He has 15 patents in the field of energy medicine, has published 36 books and over 350 articles. At the age of 87, Dr. Sheely is still active in clinical work, research, writing, and education. Among his many books are Blueprint for Holistic Healing, Conversations with G, Energy Medicine, The Illustrated Encyclopedia of Healing Remedies, Life Beyond 100, Living Bliss, Medical Intuition, which will be the subject of today's discussion, Miracles Do Happen, Pony Wisdom for the Soul, and Sacred Healing. Once again, this is an internet interview, and incidentally, uh, the third in our series. If you haven't seen the previous two, please check our listings. I'm going to link to the listings. If you haven't seen them, you should be able to get them by clicking on the link in the upper right-hand corner of your screen. And now, I'll switch over to the internet video. Welcome, Norm. I'm really happy to be with you once again. They say third time charm. <laughs> yeah. And this is our third interview, and uh, I've known you for many, many years, so uh, it's a great pleasure to uh, welcome you once again to the New Thinking Aloud channel. And today we're going to talk about medical intuition, which is really an uh, interesting area with which you are very strongly associated. Yes. Before we called it medical intuition, we called it psychic. In 1972, I had my first visit to the Edgar Casey Foundation, the ARE in Virginia Beach. And there I learned about biofeedback and autogenic training and post-past life therapy. But I also, of course, became very acquainted with the Edgar Casey work in his almost 15,000 psychic intuitive readings. I said to one of my friends that I met there, I'd really like to meet somebody like this, to meet somebody like this. They referred me to Henry Rucker. So I made an appointment to go to Chicago, and on December 19th, I walked into Henry's office in Chicago. He said, I've been waiting 10 years for you. My teacher told <laughs> me you would come. <laughs> and Henry knew more about me than I did. Isn't that amazing? So I invited him to come up to my clinic in La Crosse, and a month later he came up and brought with him eight of his psychic friends, and I uh, I think four of them were black, and I said, you just almost doubled the population of black people in La Crosse, Wisconsin. <laughs> well, they spent a weekend there, and they just the patients all volunteered to come be seen, and when all of them agreed, they were 95% accurate in making a diagnosis. Henry alone was 75% accurate. 
and he was, but he not only was very accurate in making a diagnosis, he was the one-on-one -on -one best spiritual counselor I've ever known in my life. An hour with Henry was like five years with any psychiatrist in the world, and better than that, too. So Henry became a regular member of my staff, and I was working with patients in those days four, four weeks at a time on the same chronic patients. Henry would come up and see each patient twice, and often that, you know, two one-hour sessions with Henry was a turning point for them. The son of a minister friend of mine had been a problem for many, many years. He, at the moment, was in a reform camp in Florida. The minister wanted to talk to Henry, and Henry said, oh, don't worry about him. He's going to be home next week. <laughs> this was on a weekend. On Monday morning, the child called from Chicago. He escaped from the retention center and was on his way home. They took him back to see Henry. He spent one hour with his kid. And the kid walked out and said, why hasn't anybody ever talked to me like that before? And that was the end of it. I've known this kid and his family since 1973, and he has never fallen off the track again. I had a child who had a skull fracture that hadn't healed in a year. You know, sometimes in five-year-olds, when they get a fracture because the brain is still growing, the fracture doesn't heal well. Henry had one laying on of hands to touch the scalp, and, and it healed. So he not only was highly intuitive, but he also was a true spiritual healer and a marvelous, marvelous personal counselor. Now, that opened the door for me not only to intuitive knowing, medical and health-wise, but also the concept of spiritual healing. So I also met Olga Worrell that year, and that took me off on that particular tangent. In 1971, I had heard about, but I think it was a year or two later, I met Bob Lightman. Bob is an MD, internist, and Bob had just, a year before I met him, decided that maybe there was something to this psychic field, and he stopped practicing. And Bob, I tested many times, and he's still a friend all these years. He was 96% accurate on reading your psyche. That is, he could give me your actual score on the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory. I've never seen anybody as accurate as he is on, on that. I once asked him, Bob, you're only 80% accurate in making a physical diagnosis, but 96% accurate in making a psychological he said, I've trained myself to visit the mind, and they don't always know what's wrong with the body. <laughs> so between Henry uh, in person and sometimes on the phone, and Bob almost always on the phone um, at that time, I continued that until 1984. I was in a meeting at Council Grove, which Elmer Green, the founder of biofeedback and energy medicine concepts, um, was having in Council Grove, and I met Carolyn Mace, and she said, I think one of the, I'm one of those. And I said, what do, you, what do you mean? So she started talking about her ability to know what was wrong with people. So a few months later, I called Carolyn, and that began our relationship, which continues to this day, uh, 30, 
it'd be 36 years this year. Um, and Carol and I began working together and giving workshops in Europe, mainly um, in Netherlands and England and Scotland, but some in this country. And in 1988, we decided to write a book called The Creation of Health. And I said, look, we can't call it psychic diagnosis. You know, they people won't, they, they won't accept that. So that's when I created the term medical intuition. And Carolyn and I have used that term ever since. Unfortunately, we should have registered it as a trademark because every Tom, Dick, and Nellie now calls themselves a medical intuitive, and, and most of them don't have any training or necessarily expertise. We actually set up a training program and eventually tested people so that they could be at least 75% accurate on 40 cases, I would certify them as a certified medical intuitive. And so we've worked with a few other people who are pretty good, but the, the best in the country today are Carolyn Mace and Bob Lightman. Now, Henry unfortunately passed away about 12 years ago, but uh, he was unique. I have met recently a man here in Springfield, Chris Griffith. Chris is quite good, not only as a spiritual healer and a medical intuitive, but also he is a hands-laying-on healer. They often go together. Carolyn has never really done healing, and actually, although she still does lots of workshops, she does not do one-on-one medical intuition readings for anybody anymore. She found it too taxing, too overwhelming. It would seem as if the main people you work with, uh, Henry and, and Bob Lightman and, and Carolyn, all had a kind of natural talent for this. That is true. And that is my experience in general. Now, you know, basically, in my opinion, all creativity, all creativity is intuition, whether it's science or art or making a medical diagnosis, or new inventions of various kinds. My intuition has been primarily not in making a medical diagnosis. I, I mean, look, physicians can make the medical diagnosis just by doing the history and a physical exam, 80% accurate. And then we get our test, and by the time we get our test, we're at least 90% accurate. Um, and even then, however, we're not perfect. And, and Carolyn is only 93% accurate <laughs> in making a true diagnosis without seeing the patient. She has to know their name and their age, that's all. But my creations, like TENS, and spinal cord stimulation, and the PIMP device, and the scalar device, all of these are my way of downloading intuitive information. It's interesting because I know we spent many years together several decades ago, uh, and we were brought together by Buck Charlson, who was an inventor as well, who uh, received his inventions through intuition. And was very, very interested in, um, well, the psyche in general. He sent a, a man down to interview to me to see if I was appropriate to come up and discuss with him. Um, the mind, and I passed the test, and so for many years, I would go up to Minneapolis uh, one afternoon oh, a month, and we would just sit and, and talk about all kinds of stuff related to intuition, and of course, Buck was a 
was the creator of uh, everything that runs a car these days. Automatic, this, that, and the other. <laughs> and so he he funded many, many of my wonderful research projects, uh, including the use of crystals for healing, as well as looking at magnesium and all kinds of other intuitive and psychic things. Yeah, Buck Charlson invented, to my recollection, he's the man who invented power steering and the hydraulic motor. Yeah. Yes, he was a wonderful, wonderful person. And, uh, you know, I, I literally thoroughly enjoyed, well, knowing him and being part of his life when he passed. In 1988, he wrote and said, Norm, if you would study whether crystals could have any effect on healing, I'll give you a research grant. And that was the beginning of 10 years of all kinds of wonderful research. It started with uh, looking at quartz crystal. And we took 200 people with chronic pain and depression. And I gave them my basic, basic two-week treatment program. At the end of it, we gave half of the people at a double-blind study a glass crystal and half of them a quartz crystal. And the nurse who passed them out didn't know which was which. And, they, and we sent them home. When they came back three months later, those who'd gotten the quartz crystal, 75% were still out of depression. Those who got glass, only 28% were still out of depression. That was a fascinating study about the psyche and imprinting crystals. That's fascinating because there's, there's a whole area, I haven't really looked into it much, about people who use crystals for healing purposes. No question about it. Now, interestingly, although quartz is the one that got the most popularity, if you will, there are others that can do it. And actually, sapphire is much more piezoelectrically activating even than quartz. So you think it's the uh, uh, piezoelectric property of the crystal that uh, facilitates healing? Yes, essentially that's what it seems to be. Interestingly, when I was, you know, trying to decide how to do the research, uh, I talked to my guy and he said, well, if you just put a crushed sapphire crystal over the heart, it will bypass the need for bypass surgery. In those days, of course, not being a cardiologist or a cardiac surgeon, I wasn't ready to fight that particular part of medicine. So that's why I worked on depression and pain. Now, since then, interestingly, four years ago, I decided to try it. So we did a cardiac score, which is the calcium, percentage of calcium in your cardiac arteries. And Sergey Soren, my medical partner, and I each wore a little pouch. In fact, I'm still wearing my little pouch. I'll pull it out. I can't. I'll have to take it under my shirt and get it up here. Here it is. It's two ounces of crushed sapphire. My, in one year, my calcium score went down 200 points. Sergey, who was only 97 to start with, went down to one. So I announced on the radio, we're going to do a study. If you'll get your calcium score, bring it in. I'll give you the pouch and we'll repeat it in a year. The next day, the hospital tripled the price of the cardiac score test. So we didn't do that study. But I do have, interestingly, a cardiologist in Indiana who's doing a study on five patients at the moment. 
that was another true medical intuitive hit that appears to have benefit. I'd like to do hundreds of people, but, you know, the hospitals are so greedy, it's hard. So uh, you're suggesting that uh, you want to reduce your calcium score? The calcium score is actually, in my opinion, the necessary test to tell how at risk you are for cardiac artery disease or a heart attack. And and it can go anywhere from zero to almost 3,000. Obviously, 3,000 is highly uh, (laughs) serious. But uh, in general, the radiologist who reads it puts it in a percentage, and he says, well, this person is 27%. That means that 27% of people have a lower risk than he does. If the risk is 96%, that means 96% of people have a score less than theirs. And so uh, that is a place where I strongly recommend chelation. Because I would think you need a certain amount of calcium. It it helps build the bones. Exactly. Ah, now there was an interesting book that came out several months ago in which the author is suggesting that it is not cholesterol that causes arteriosclerosis. Is calcium. He says in America, we average 1,000 milligrams of calcium a day. In almost every other country in the world, the average intake is only 200 to 250 milligrams of calcium a day. So, part of our coronary artery and other atherosclerotic problem may be because we eat too much darn calcium. If I could understand correctly, there's some crystals that help reduce the calcium? Yeah, crushed sapphire. Um, I have a number of people who are doing it at the moment, although it's not in a formal research study. But I do have this by, I think it's June or July, I'll have a year-long study with a cardiologist in Indiana. Speaking of crystals, I had a very interesting report I'd like to share with you. It came from uh, a lady, Nancy Dutertra, who has been a guest on this program. She's a well-known psychic, and she had a dream, a lucid dream. She said even more lucid than a lucid dream, in which some alien entity came to her and handed her a package, and it said to her, you are going to need this package. And then the dream ended, and she didn't know what it meant. And she went to another psychic to consult with, and the psychic said, I think that that package had bismuth in it. So, based on that, she went out and bought um, five pounds of bismuth crystals. They're very beautiful, rainbow-colored crystals. And she told me that at at the time of this dream, Uh, Her body was aching so badly she could barely walk. She could hardly, you know, get out of bed and go to the front door. As soon as the bismuth crystals arrived, everything went away. She became perfectly healthy. No more aches. She could move freely as as if by magic. What do you make of that, Norm? Well, remember, I make of it that it's two possibilities, as with everything. There's the possibility of, of course, placebo, and there's the possibility of actual energy medicine. My inclination is that it's always a combination of both. I mean, we know that in the average drug study, patients given the placebo have a 30 to 35% benefit. No drug. The best drug is ordinarily only 
45 to 60% effective. There are no drugs that are 100% effective. So the belief of the person can influence the entire physiology and biochemistry as much as anything. On the other hand, I would say it sounds even better than quartz and, and uh, sapphire. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think the the fact that she said that this was even more vivid than a lucid dream, uh, it would be significant. And of course, that's another way that intuitive information comes to us in dreams. I mean, I I always say I have wall to wall dreaming when I go to sleep. Anytime I happen to wake, I've had a, a, a dream, and it's often very, very vivid, and often very much related to, you know, what I'm doing in my work. If I tried to write it down, I'd never get back to sleep. <laughs> so I don't ever record my dreams unless it's so important that the next day I, I remember to make a note of it. But, of course, a lot of my information comes that way as well. Now, you helped to set up an organization for the uh, scientific study of medical intuition, didn't you? Yes, Carol and I founded the American Board of Scientific Medical Intuition. Now, when we had our first class of that, it was back in the, oh, I think, early 90s. We had 82 people who signed up for the class, and over a two-year period, they were to come in four times a year, and every month I would send them stuff to work on at home in between. At the end of that time, only 34 were still in the class. And only two of them took the exam. So uh, I have tried to teach this online. Carol and I made a recording with Sounds True on all of our work related to medical, scientific medical intuition. It is still available. And the important thing is, for most people, you have to hone your intuitive abilities. Unless you are, you know, a Leonardo da Vinci person and get it spontaneously uh, as people like Bob Lightman and Henry Rucker and Carol Mace do, you need to work on it. You need to spend some time practicing. I know, for example, some of the people who do professional remote viewing spend years and, and years of practice and training before they're really ready to work professionally. Absolutely. And of course, Robert, uh, John and Brenda Dunn at Princeton carried on that kind of research for a number of years. Uh, I understand at the end of the day, you haven't yet really certified anybody as a medical intuitive. One other person I have truly certified, that is Kay Randall May. Kay Randall May is in Phoenix, and she has unequivocally 75% accuracy in making a diagnosis without knowing anything but the person's name and, and age. So, uh, after all of this work, it, it sounds like uh, the field of medical intuition is in a fledgling state. It, it's probably got decades before it reaches the level of uh, an acknowledged subspecialty within medicine. Oh, yes, I think that's true. Now, again, there are people, let's say Salk and other people like that, they come up with one specific thing. To me, that is an intuitive hit. Mm hmm. In fact, as I recall, Salk wrote a book about intuition. Exactly. And of course, Fleming's discovery of 
penicillin, if you will, was another intuitive hit from, from mold on oranges, if I remember correctly. You, however, uh, in your own intuitive work, you include a, an area that many people are nervous and shy about, which is uh, communication with spirit guides. Ah, uh, yes. Now, that, I think, is quite possible for most of us, again, if you're willing to practice. Now, it when I had my first communication with angels in December of 1984, uh, it was not long after I started working with Carolyn. And, of course, since then I've had, you know, thousands of pages of insights that I've gotten that way. And I have five patents that came to me directly from my guide. And that is, it is medical intuition in a sense because they're medical treatments uh, and techniques for specific things. And do you regard the uh, spirit guide or angel with which you're communicating as uh, an autonomous being independent of, of your own consciousness? As far as I can tell, yes. I mean, many people would suggest it's some sort of a psychological projection, a way you can communicate with your own superconscious mind or your higher self. Well, you know, I have, let's, let's look at that for a moment, because again, this fits to me also into the world of spiritual healing. And as with Henry Rucker, one of the things I checked with Henry was his ability to change your DHEA, your dehydroepiandrosterone. You know, 90% of people, by the time they're 60, are beginning to get low in the anti-stress hormone DHEA. So on three occasions, I just asked Henry to touch the person to raise their DHEA. And within 40 minutes, the DHEA came up 50% just by his laying on the hand. So then... Ostad Par Parve, Ostad Hadi Pavarande, a spiritual healer uh, from Iran, uh, brought me 100 cases of unbelievable healing. And three of them were malignant brain tumors operated on my surgeons that I knew. But these were big spiritual healings. And so I tested Ostad on, I think, a dozen people. And again, all he did was just his laying on of the hands, and the DHEA came up significantly. So there's something about that. Now, that, that then takes me to the whole concept of spiritual healing, because I have 116 cases where the EEG done here in Springfield, Missouri, has been changed within a couple of minutes from a distance up to 1,000 miles away. The person's on the phone, I'm on the phone, the patient's in a room with the technician. And I'll say, okay, send healing, and zap, the EEG changes. I mean, a thousand miles within two minutes. And, and the patient is blind as, as to when this is going to happen? Exactly. This is the sort of thing that Olga Worrell was quite uh, well known for, distant healing like that. Oh, yes. In fact, the first person I did it on Oh, that way was Olga, who was 60 feet away in another room. And we did 12 paces with her. Uh, Elmer Green brought all of his equipment back uh, to my clinic. And Olga 
uh, and everything was coordinated and, you know, synchronized. And I was in the room with the patient over, was way down the hall in a different room. And the instant she said healing, the EEG would change. Now, I know because of your interest in energy medicine that uh, you're very interested in the electromagnetic properties of the human body and how that relates to healing. But distant healing of this sort uh, seems to me uh, cannot be explained uh, electromagnetically. I, I agree. Now, that takes us to one of my favorite topics, scalar. According to quantum physicists, all empty space in the universe is filled with scalar energy. And they say that an empty space the size of a helium molecule is enough energy to boil the world's oceans. Now, to me, if there's any physical physics demonstration of what I call the power of God, that is scalar energy. So several years ago, I decided to work with scalar energy as well, because that, to me, that's what the spiritual healers are using. They are somehow, their their intention is being transferred by scalar energy. So got an engineer to make us a scalar device, and, and that's apparently possible if you're an engineer or a physicist. And we put four of them in a room, oh, you know, like a, a double-sized ordinary living room. And I had patients come in and spend three hours a week for four weeks. So they spent 12 hours out of one month in this, um, I mean, yeah. Uh, anyway, they, they spent these hours in a scalar energy. We measured their adrenomedulin before and after the month. Adrenomedulin is actually remarkably unstudied. It is actually the stress hormone. In a healthy person, adrenomedulin ranges from 2 to 10. My average patient had over 150 units in adrenomedulin. It came down well over 50% by just spending essentially an average of an of an hour a day at, at, at it was nine, nine hours a week, three, three hours to four times a week. Anyway, they spent 36 hours one month and their adrenal medulin came down over 50%. So then we brought them back and we took a drop of blood from them and we looked at that blood to measure the inflammatory markers. And on a dark field, you can measure all kinds of inflammatory markers, up to 18 different manifestations. That other drop of blood was just left in front of the scaler for an hour, and then we brought it in to look at it. Now, ordinarily, a drop of blood left by itself on a slide for an hour begins to deteriorate. In this case, that they got the scalar energy was better than when it was drawn, and the inflammatory markers were reduced 80%. On that occasion, we also measured the free radicals in the urine of these people when they went to the room and the free radicals three hours later when they left the room and the free radicals in the urine went down 40% just from being in that scalar energy. Is scalar energy a, a different form of electromagnetic energy? Well, it's not considered electromagnetic because it doesn't go up and down. It goes straight. It, it's not a you know, a wave. 
It's a straight line of energy, and it goes through walls. It, it can pass through, you know, you and me. I have to study up on it because I don't know much about scalar energy at all. But it sounds like it's it's not uh, electrical, it's not magnetic, and uh, it doesn't have to do with gravity or the weak force or the strong force in physics. Tesla, of course, is the one who first demonstrated its benefits and was able to develop these condensers, if you will, of scalar energy that produce electricity. But Rockefeller and Edison did everything in their power to kill his his ideas because they didn't want free energy. But apparently, if you can somehow build the right kind of accumulator or resonator of some kind, you can actually convert scalar into electricity, among other things. Well, we've deviated a little bit from our original topic of medical intuition. Uh, but in this era where, you know, so many people are concerned about the COVID-19 virus, uh, is, is there a role for intuition and in, uh, people just dealing with these everyday medical issues they're having? Well, to me, the most important thing in the world is to deal with your anxiety. Anxiety is fear. Fear of death, fear of illness, fear of poverty, fear of whatever. If you can change the fear and you know you've got the energy of the reserve to do it, great. If not, you need to detach. So I can tell you, I spend a great deal of time these days because of all of this kerfuffle on the internet and otherwise uh, detaching because I can't change that. And to me, I love Ambrose Worrell. Ogden Worrell's husband was also here. He wrote a wonderful little book called Essay on Prayer. Thinking sets in motion spiritual forces to bring about change in body, mind, emotions, hopes, and despair. So you can focus your intuition, you can focus your thoughts, you can focus your beliefs and your outcome on creating a positive outcome instead of giving in to fear. Now, to me, all of this is part of the channeling, if you will, and monitoring of everything in your mind. So for people who are medically intuitive, they can focus on making a diagnosis. For people who are healers, they focus on healing. For people in the face of a threat, if there's nothing you can do physically, then you need to focus on good and God. I've heard it said uh, that worry is prayer for the things you don't want. <laughs> that is absolutely true. And happiness is an inside job. <laughs> I, I concur with that thought completely, Norm. It's more important, in my opinion, for each individual to practice training their own brain and mind to focus on, well, health and well-being than it is to get a medical intuitive to help you. Because if you don't pay attention to the medical intuitive, it's not going to help anyway. 
On the other hand, I hear people who say that this uh, pandemic is all blown out of proportion. And uh, I have a friend uh, in Sweden who says the government there is doing nothing. We're acting as if uh, everything is completely normal. And then I hear people saying that that's very unwise, that minimally we have to practice a, a relatively severe amount of social distancing. Well, as my friend and partner, Dr. Sergey Sorin, wrote this week, we've had social distancing for the last 10 years. It's people talking on their cell phone all the time and not paying attention to the person they're with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's certainly true. Uh, people uh, spend so much time in front of the computer uh, and the cell phone these days. And But I've seen people do that, uh, talking on the cell phone when they're in the midst of a crowded subway or, you know, close to other people physically. They're still focused on the cell phone. Oh, yeah. And they're walking down the street sometime or into cars while texting or reading their dumb phone. As, as a matter of fact, uh, quite a few accidents are caused that way. I think that positive thinking is very, very important, but I wouldn't go so far as to say that positive thinking can replace other prudent steps to avoid uh, contacting or spreading a virus. Well, to me, again, it focuses on your belief system, you're detaching from things you cannot change, taking adequate multivitamins and vitamin C and vitamin D, and washing your hands as often as possible with soap mm -hmm. and water. Well, and uh, of course, I can uh, remind viewers, we've done a previous interview just focusing in on the COVID virus. For those who haven't watched it, I'm going to link to it right now in the upper right-hand corner of uh, their screen. So, uh, I highly recommend that. Uh, it's all hasn't even been released officially yet, and it's already been viewed by thousands of people. So, I know uh, your advice is having an impact out there, Norm. Well, I hope so, because I do believe that we can remain healthy. And I want to point out that an 80-year-old person who's got good health habits is much more immune to the virus than a 40-year-old who doesn't have good health habits. And you're speaking as someone who appears to be in excellent health physically and mentally, and you're 87. Well, I do believe that is my habits. Mm-hmm. You know, I do have all the basic five essential habits for being healthy. Well, you know, a lot of uh, people in the health and nutrition area talk about living a, a long, healthy life, but you're actually demonstrating it. Well, interestingly, right now I'm in the midst of my most exciting research project ever on telomere regeneration using patches on acupuncture points that in a preliminary study in 15 people had the telomeres grow 8% in six months. We're now doing it in 60 people with a double-blind study. So half of them, I mean a quarter of them are going to get the placebo. They will get the real thing after six months. But if we can regrow your telomeres 8%, wow, that's got to be good for health, including your immune system. Yeah, the telomeres are uh, uh, molecules that attach to the genes and uh, are responsible for longevity, as I recall. That is correct. Some people 
uh, liken them to an eraser on a pencil. Every cell in your body is replaced within a maximum seven years, some within days or weeks. Every time you replace the cell, the telomere shrinks a little bit. If we have good health habits, we are genetically predisposed to live 100 years. The average American dies at 78 because they have crummy health habits. Well, I've already demonstrated three techniques for regrowing your telomeres 3.5% a year, but 8% in six months is twice as good. Yeah. Now, I, I know we discussed this in an earlier interview, uh, but correct me if I'm wrong. The, the patches uh, that go over the acupuncture points, are, are they related to essential oils? No, the patches actually just have a small protein in them that is photostimulating. So just the light coming through this tra fairly translucent patch is what activates the acupuncture point. Fascinating. So the, the use of light as a tool for healing is another one of your areas of interest. Oh, absolutely. Because, of course, the eyes and the light coming into eyes are one of the most powerful healers we have. Do you also work with sound and healing? Oh, yes. Uh, I've always used music in the background with my guided imagery exercises. But now we put extra gamma frequencies into the music as well, because gamma is truly the ultimate mind healing frequency. Yeah, what frequency is gamma? Well, it's everything from actually the upper 30s to 100, but the ideal is 40 cycles per second. So when we, it's 40 cycle gamma that is good for the mind, the brain, and for healing. Well, Norm, this has once again been a really fascinating discussion. You are so full of ideas and information. Uh, I uh, find myself, uh, you know, having to spend time and really concentrate and uh, study what you're saying to, to digest it all. But it's been a great pleasure once again to be with you. As always, thank you so much. Blessings. And keep the faith, baby. Okay. Well, I hope to talk again with you before long, Norm. Wonderful. Thank you. Blessings. Blessings to you. And for those of you who are listening, thank you for being with us. Thank you.